Welcome to the Sideline Dissonant. I'm Brad Whitaker. Job security. It's something we all strive to achieve, but for the most part, it's a myth. Even for business owners who are doing well, economic conditions can change and put you out of business quicker than you can evolve. And an interesting thing happened at the beginning of last season when Jimmy Garoppolo led the Patriots to two surprise victories against the Cardinals and Dolphins. Tom Brady no longer had job security. And up until Halloween this year, when the Pats traded Jimmy G to the Niners for two gummy bears and a pack of camel lights, you know that was kicking around in the back of his head. But that was the moment, at age 40, Tom Brady got a commitment from the Patriots organization that he will remain their quarterback for the foreseeable future. That's a lot of power for a quarterback at 40 years old. But you know that's not what Bill Belichick wanted. Garoppolo was the heir apparent, but with what Brady means to that organization, you just couldn't trade him. There are reports that owner Robert Kraft wouldn't let him, and from a business standpoint, it's easy to understand why. But it's become clear that Brady's influence has grown beyond just being the team's franchise quarterback at this point. And because of that, there is a position on that roster Belichick no longer has 100% control over, and that will continue as long as Brady continues to play at a high level. I mean, let's take a look at Brady's influence now. He now has a TB12 facility just outside of Gillette Stadium. His trainer Alex Guerrero has his own exclusive office in Gillette Stadium. In fact, Belichick even let other players on the team receive treatment from Guerrero and the TB12 center billed the Patriots for his services. He's completely separate from the team's medical staff. Guerrero and Brady had basically become their own private business that served as an additional wing of the Patriots organization. And with this in mind, it's no wonder Belichick cut back on the privileges of Guerrero this week. It had reached the point where Guerrero was able to always be on the sideline during games, fly with the team, and treat players other than Brady in his private office right next to the locker room. Finally, Belichick said, I've had enough. So Belichick cut all of those privileges, except he gets to keep his office and still treat Tom Brady. That's the story that broke late Tuesday. And it's understandable. You can see a situation where players are getting told one thing from Guerrero and hearing something completely different from the medical staff. And I think that's ultimately what happened here. Look, I don't mean to discredit Guerrero. I think him and Brady are really on to something when it comes to recovery, eating foods that prevent inflammation, stressing pliability over muscle mass so players are able to take more hits. But Guerrero has a master's in Chinese medicine from a university in California that no longer exists. He can't call himself a doctor any more than Dr. Phil can. Spoiler alert, Dr. Phil's not a real doctor. And I've read Tom Brady's book, The TB12 Method. It's interesting and worth the read, but it's basically a 320-page infomercial. I wouldn't go as far to say Brady and Guerrero are snake oil salesmen, as some have said. Clearly, things have worked out pretty well for Brady, but Brady is a pocket-passing quarterback. Tom Brady is proof you don't have to be that athletic to master the quarterback position. You need good footwork, a strong, accurate arm, and a mind capable of handling the complexities of the position. But this idea that you can treat a wide receiver, tight end, or a defensive tackle using a one-size-fits-all solution that is the TB12 method It's crazy. Julian Edelman started training with Guerrero this summer to ensure longevity, 
and he tore his ACL in the preseason. Now, can you blame that all on Guerrero? Probably not. But Brady claims in his book he started developing the TB12 method with Guerrero after he tore his ACL in 2008. It's easy to understand how this created a massive conflict of interest for the Patriots. I believe Belichick made this move not only because the medical staff weren't able to do their jobs, but to also send a message to Brady that you're still only one player on this team. And you know Robert Kraft received that message as well. Coming from the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world, I think you have to give Bill Belichick a lot of credit for putting his foot down. Okay, now winners and losers. Today's winner is one of the biggest winners in baseball history, Derek Jeter. And I hate saying anything nice about any Yankee player, but Derek Jeter has balls. Yesterday, he held a town hall with Miami Marlins season ticket holders who weren't exactly pleased with Jeter's decision to trade their franchise star Juan Carlos Stanton to the Yankees. And Jeter sat there for 90 minutes and just took it. The meeting was held in left field of the Marlins ballpark, and one fan told Jeter, it's ironic because there won't be a ball hit in this area by the home team all next year. Fans asked him why he can't just go out and buy a pitching rotation, as if the Marlins actually have free agent appeal and money to spend. Jeter told fans to be patient at the start of this rebuild, and one fan told him, I don't have that many more years left to live. Marlins man was there. You know, the man who sits behind home plate in a Marlins jersey during the World Series every year. He gave Jeter crap. Asked him, do you know who I am? He had the audacity to ask arguably the most clutch player in baseball history, do you know who I am? I'm Marlins man. He also told Jeter he's not renewing his season tickets to go watch a AAA team next year. Look, Derek Jeter didn't have to do this. He knew very well what was going to happen, and he chose to do it anyway because he felt it was best. And I'm sorry, to all the pissed off Marlins fans, what were you supposed to do with Juan Carlos Stanton? Your team, which ranks near the bottom of the league in terms of payroll, signed him to a 13-year, $325 million contract. That might be fine if you're winning, but the Marlins finished 20 games back in the Nationals this past season. Maybe you think, oh, Jeter's just helping out his old team. But do you really think Stanton is going to be the same player eight years from now? The Yankees may win the World Series next season, but they're going to find themselves in another A-Rod situation in a few years. The Marlins weren't winning with Stanton on that payroll, so you might as well trade him while his value is high and invest in a farm system. And look, Jeter might have no idea what the hell he's doing. This could be another Phil Jackson situation. But if in four years the Marlins are in the Fall Classic, those season ticket holders are going to look pretty stupid. Come on, Marlins, man. You're better than that. Okay, and today's loser is LeVar Ball. I thought LeVar was brilliant when he had Lonzo wearing all those different brands in the Summer League. It generated all that press. I thought it would change the way players receive sponsorship deals as we know it. Well, none of those shoe companies chose to bite. And I think Lonzo is going to be fine, but since then, LiAngelo was thrown in a Chinese jail for shoplifting. LeVar pulled him out of UCLA. He said LaMelo is no longer going to play in college, so they can go, both go play in Lithuania for less than the food stipend they would have received at UCLA. And now, apparently, LeVar wants to start his own pro league for players fresh out of high school that don't want to go to college. The league would pay the lowest ranked players a salary of 3000 a month and the highest 
10000 a month, and the league would follow NBA rules. Look, I'm not a big fan of the one-and-done system, but there's a reason a pro league like this hasn't come to fruition. LeVar Ball isn't the first person to come up with this idea, because it seems like a good idea. The truth is, the system that's currently in place, if players don't want to go to college, they can go to Europe for a year and get paid. But most choose not to do that because although they're not being paid, even though some are definitely being paid, the year of free marketing at UCLA, Duke, Kansas, or UNC is still extremely valuable. And in the scheme of things, one year of college ball is not that big of a commitment. Again, plenty of people have come up with the idea of a pro league for kids out of high school, but there's a reason nobody has actually followed through with it. And it's no coincidence LeVar just magically wanted to start a pro league after his sons were no longer NCAA eligible. Starting a professional basketball league is not the same as running a shoe and t-shirt company out of your garage. I don't care what your brand awareness is. If Nike could have started their own pro league, they would have done it years ago. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Sideline Dissonant. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I bid you adieu.